Hello, I'm glad that you've joined me. This is Ken Hines with another podcast with the Southwest Church of Christ. And this is the second time that I've taught this lesson. I taught it early this morning, and I really need to let you know it was awesome. I'm sorry you missed it. Uh, it was perfect in every way, except for the fact that I did not click on the record button. So um, anyway, sorry you missed that. I'm going to give this another try. Uh, today's lesson is on a wonderful chapter in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. It uh, starts in verse 1 that I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even, even eating with them. So we all have people that we recognize are not following God's will. Uh, they'll admit it themselves. It, it's clear that, that they are making mistakes, um, that their lives are in rebellion to God's will. Uh, it, it's obvious. Uh, that's not something new today. That was true back in the days of Jesus. And uh, we find these people um, uh, sometimes irritating to us, uh, sometimes difficult to put up with, and we don't know what kind of relationship that we should have with them. I remember one time I uh, went and taught a class in prison, and there was a domestic terrorist there, and uh, he came up and asked me if it was all right if he came to the class to listen to God's word. And I knew the right answer to that question. I said, uh, of course, uh, of course, you can come to the class. Of course, you can uh, listen in. And so the class went uh, OK. Um, I came back the next week and there was a larger group. And among this group, there was uh, the same uh, domestic terrorist, but there was also a a well-known drug dealer. And um, he came up and asked if he could attend the class. And then he stuck his hand out to shake my hand. And I, at first, did not know how to respond to that. If I shake his hand, am I saying that uh, he's my friend and I support him and all the things that he's does that he's done um, that uh, his actions don't matter to me um, you know I've been told by uh, some people that uh, in shaking his hand I was saying that um, that I was condoning his actions I, I was condoning his occupation and so I know that I've struggled with this, and um, perhaps uh, perhaps you have as well. Um, on another occasion, I was invited to a barbecue. Well, I love barbecue. I love a free lunch, 
Uh, but the group that invited me was a group of illegal aliens. And, uh, you know, how do you respond to that? So some people uh, told me that uh, in going, I was uh, condoning their status and that I was disrespecting the laws of our country. Is it okay to teach them the word, but uh, do we need to keep them at uh, at arm's length because uh, we do not uh, we do not practice the same things that they practice? Well, that's not a new question. That's the question that the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law had when they saw Jesus in his ministry. They weren't upset that Jesus was teaching these people. They were glad that Jesus was teaching these people. The problem they had was that Jesus seemed to actually like them. Jesus uh, treated them as a friend. Jesus would uh, sit down and eat with them. Uh, they thought that he was condoning the, their lifestyle by accepting their friendship. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has had to deal with uh, somebody whose thoughts and whose beliefs need to be correction. He dealt with that all the time. He's going to give us a teaching. But this is the only time where Jesus ever taught on the same subject, uh, giving the same corrective teaching back to back to back. Three times in a row, uh, Jesus told a story to get the point across. Um, that lets me know that uh, it was really important to him that they understand this point, and it's really important to God that we understand this point today as well. The Bible says in verse 3, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have it straight away. So I love this parable. I wish that I could teach this entire class just on this parable because it has so much wonderful teaching, but um, we need to uh, spread it out a little bit more than that. But he says that God is like a shepherd. God has a shepherd's heart. And he loves his sheep that are found, of course, but uh, he has a caring and compassionate heart. And when one sheep is lost, God sets aside his agenda and he goes looking for that sheep and he searches for it and he searches for it and he looks for it and he searches until he finds it. And then he carries it home. And, uh, and he's happy when that happens. That's the kind of God that we serve. And Jesus continued teaching in verse 8. For suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? 
And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And again, I wish we could teach this whole class just on this one parable, because it's, it's such a beautiful teaching. Uh, there is a woman here. Um, he is almost certainly referring to a married woman who had a dowry of 10 coins. Uh, and uh, back then, uh, when a woman got married and uh, she had a dowry, uh, she would put it together on the chain and she would uh, attach that chain uh, to, uh, to her veil. There it would be across her forehead. Um, it was a celebration of her family's love and support for her. So uh, it is also uh, money for the new family to make a beginning uh, and to provide support for them in, in difficult times. So it's kind of a combination of her engagement ring and her IRA. <coughs> Excuse me. So if she loses one of those coins, that's a big deal. That's like losing the diamond in your wedding ring or your engagement ring. That happened to Sherry once. Uh, she was working in a quilt store and they had an all day seminar with lots of customers coming and going, lots of bolts of fabric being pulled off of the shelves. And uh, there at the end, when they were putting everything back up, uh, she looked down and saw that um, something had snagged her ring and pulled loose the prong and the diamond had fallen out. So she got down on her knees to look for it. But the problem was uh, that in this, uh, during this uh, class that had been held for the public, uh, they had been sewing on a sequence onto the quilt. And so uh, there were lots of pieces of uh, silver sequence on the counter and on the floor. And uh, her diamond was uh, down there among that. And when another employee saw Sherry on her hands and knees, he said, what's going on? And she told her and uh, she got down on her knees to help. And uh, before long, all six employees were down on their hands and knees looking for Sherry's diamond. And they looked for it until they found it. And when they did, Sherry put it in her pocket and then we took it to a jeweler and um, to put it on her ring and I placed the ring back on her finger. And that was a, that was a great day, a, a moment of happiness. And God says, in the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. There's a party in heaven. That day that the faith that had been in your heart for some time, that seed had been planted and had been nurtured and tended by God, uh, there was that day when it uh, sprouted and it bloomed and it bore fruit. And that day you publicly confessed the name of Jesus and you were baptized into Christ. And the Bible says that there was a party in heaven among the angels of God. In heaven itself, amongst God's very angels, there was a party. There was a banner on the wall and the name on the banner was yours. 
what a wonderful day, what a wonderful party. That's what God thinks of us when we come to him. That's what he cares about. And that makes heaven's day. So you might think with the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin that uh, the point has been made. But Jesus wants to make sure that we get the point. And so in verse 11, the Bible says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. And you've heard this story. It's a great story. It's been called the greatest story ever told. It goes like this. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. What a sad, sad situation for a Jewish boy who had been brought up right to realize the mess that he had made of his life, how much he had wasted his opportunities, how he had turned his back on his father who loved him and brought him up right. And he was in a far country and he was living among an animal that was unclean to the Jews. And he realized those pigs were eating better than he was. And we all realize what life is like in the pig pen. And uh, we've all made a mess of things from in one way or another. We know that experience. And we love what comes next. In verse 17, the Bible says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Now, to this point, Jesus is telling a story that was somewhat well known to people in first century Palestine. This was a story that uh, Jewish parents told their children about a man who had two sons and about a younger son who wanted, who asked for his inheritance and then he left home and he wasted it all and realized the mistake that he made and he returned home. And in the distance he saw his house uh, and he ran up to it and he knocked on the door in great anticipation, but no one would answer. The doors and the windows were closed and locked to him. The point being that once you leave home, once you turn your back on family, there's no coming back. You know, we will not 
take you back. Uh, there is no repairing this broken relationship. And, and so it was a story that was told to help keep uh, the children in check, uh, help them um, realize the weight of their responsibility to be part of the family. It, it was used to keep them in line. But Jesus said, there's a problem with that story. That's not the way that God sees things. So in verse 20, again, Jesus says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now, that was something that was very unusual. This is not what people were expecting to hear as Jesus told the story. Uh, back then, men did not run, especially men who had uh, any sort of uh, possessions. You know, it, it was seen as a humiliation, as, as embarrassing, as, as beneath them. Uh, they would not run. Uh, but... This man was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. It would be nice if that was the end of the story, but as you know, that's not the end of the story. Uh, there is the older son, and the older son represents the Pharisees and the religious teachers, those who have been uh, more obedient to God, those who have been uh, living life within the rules, so to speak. And um, so they are the older son in this story. And we need to listen carefully because we are the older son in this story. There is an important lesson here for us. In verse 25, the Bible says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. So I suspect that this is a little bit of an exaggeration on the older brother's part. Uh, I'm sure that he worked hard and was responsible, but I don't know that's the same as slaving for him. Uh, he said, I've never once disobeyed you. Uh, who among us can ever say that we've never disobeyed God or we've never disobeyed our, 
earthly parents as well. Um, we couldn't say that. I, I suspect he couldn't in all truthfulness say that as well. Uh, but he's resentful. You never done anything for me. Yet in verse 30, the Bible says, yet when this son of yours, not my brother notice, but your son comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. And again, this is probably an exaggeration. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. He said, we don't, we're not redoing the rules here. I've always appreciated your faithfulness and your reliability and your obedience. Everything I have is yours. But listen to this. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So we see that what God cares about are these lost people, these lost people that have different beliefs than us. They have different practices than us. Uh, these people that are so irritating to us. Well, guess what? God loves them. And he loves them just as much as he loves us. They are just as much a creation of our Heavenly Father as we are. And it's time to appreciate how much God cares for them. And so it's okay to shake their hand. It's okay to sit down and eat with them. It's okay to actually treat them like friends, to listen to their cares and concerns, to consider them to be our equals in this enterprise that is our life. Because they are. The only difference is that we have stayed home with our father and we're saved. But our father's house is big and it has room for everyone. Back in the 1960s, um, there was a preacher in the Churches of Christ named Charles Hodge. and he preached a series of sermons on Luke chapter 15 and the title uh, they were put together into a book. And the title of the book is, will God run? Well, what a great question when we think about what God is like. And Jesus has taught us that God is like a father whose heart is filled with compassion, whose eyes are filled with tears. And yes, he will run even to those people who've turned their back on him before, even to those people who've met a, made a mess of things, even to those people who have sinned and even sinned greatly. He still loves them and he wants more than anything to offer them a second chance. A poem from, um, from that book, The Fatted Calf, The Shoes, the robe, the ring, all for me, unworthy son. But sweeter to me, the most wonderful thing. God ran to meet me. I saw God run.
that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the point that Jesus was trying to make that day to those religious teachers. And the teaching was written down by Luke because that's the teaching God wants us to get, that God cares about those people. And so we need to care about them. It doesn't mean we have to agree with their actions. It doesn't mean we have to endorse their activities. But uh, it does mean, mean we cannot treat them, we cannot be standoffish or look down upon them in a uh, condescending or judgmental way because God doesn't. So those, uh, those irritating people, well, you know, sometimes I'm irritating too. You know, they're those people who are disobedient. Well, sometimes I'm disobedient too. Uh, those people who are mixed up and headed in the wrong direction. Well, sometimes I'm headed in the wrong direction too. There but for the grace of God go I. So you might say, yes, I, I understand. We, we need to love these people and reach out. But it seems like a lot of times when we reach out our hand to, to them, sometimes it's uh, that hand is not accepted in love, but uh, that hand is slapped at. Uh, our overtures are rejected. And I think God could certainly understand that because that happens to him all the time. And what does he do? He still reaches out in love. And I think that that means that we're going to have to spend more thought and we're going to have, be more, have to be more prayerful and look for more ways to build bridges to people. We have to nourish that seed of faith in their hearts uh, for perhaps longer than ever before. But simply turning our backs on them is not an option. Uh, it's not biblical. It's not consistent with the nature of God. So I hope you'll join me in praying for opportunities to show God's compassion to someone this week. Uh, for hope you'll join me in praying for an opportunity to reach out in God's love and to offer someone who doesn't deserve it a second chance this week. I hope this week you'll join me in praying for an opportunity to search for a lost sheep and to keep searching until that sheep is found. Thank you. Uh, next week, there will be another class and a different teacher, but I appreciate this time that we spent together. May God bless you.